Well, there was no doubt the Royals significantly boosted their rotation, but how much of it was an upgrade? I'm going to tell you next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. We're also live on TikTok and we're live on Instagram at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. It's also very easy to find us wherever you listen to your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and we're on YouTube. We have completely shattered that 700 subscriber goal for Christmas Day, we're already above 750. But keep pushing because our goal is to get to 1,000 by opening day 2024. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. There's no better time to go and create your account. You can start betting on college hoops. You can start betting on college football bowl games, the NFL. And before you know it, baseball will be back. But before baseball is back, do not hesitate and go and create your FanDuel account today. And this is your first episode ever tuning in. Of course, welcome in. We always love new listeners here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But a little bit more of a background on me. I work in sports. I work here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Got a show once a week there and also a show Monday through Friday on ESPN Kansas City where I talk all things sports. But when you come here, when you come to this podcast, you know that you are getting 30 straight minutes of Royals baseball. And as I said yesterday... And as I'm going to continue saying throughout this offseason, I've been very fortunate to be covering a team that has been one of the most active in free agency because I know a lot of guys uh, here on the network that teams are maybe not being as active as they had hoped for. Maybe they were going into the offseason not expecting their team to be that active. But before we dive into anything, first off, I want to give a, a shout out to those in the comments on YouTube that have been so kind and and so, you know, appreciative of the work that I'm doing and sending very kind words. And I just want you to know, even though we don't always respond uh, from our channel, I, I see the messages. I love the messages. It's why I love doing this podcast. It's why I enjoy covering this team and give you the best possible content. I do this for you, the fans, you, the listeners. Sounds very cliche, doesn't it? But I thoroughly am driven off of that. And it makes me want to do these podcast episodes more than just you know, even three times a week like we're supposed to be doing now. But uh, always love the feedback, always love the comments, and, you know, going to keep doing this thing. So uh, the off season, even though there's going to be times it's a little bit dull, uh, we know that last week was pretty much the height of it all in terms of offseason activity, not just for this year, but for the last couple of years here in Kansas City. That, you know, that activity was something I haven't seen. I haven't felt since 2015 when the Royals were active at the trade deadline. I don't remember another time like that. But we all know from last week that the headline of everything was rotation, right? The Royals go out and get Seth Lugo. The Royals go out and get Michael Walker. And, and on paper, I mean, completely overhaul the rotation. And, you know, I had put out on Twitter a tweet just kind of breaking down the 2023 rotation and the 2024 rotation. Now, the 23 rotation on opening days, we all know, had Zach Granke as the number one. They had Jordan Lyles as the two because, remember, Singer was working himself back 
from the World Baseball Classic. You had Singer as the three. You also had Brad Keller. And then you had Chris Bubich as your number five. The opening day rotation, barring any setbacks, is going to be Michael Waka as the one, Cole Reagans as the two, Seth Lugo as the three, Brady Singer as the four. And then I'm assuming, unless I'm just not anticipating or or I am not going to be caught off guard or expecting a salary dump, it's going to be Jordan Lyles. Now, Jordan Lyles is going to be the guy, barring any changes. Uh, they're not going to put him in long relief and pay him that money. I think they're going to think, hey, he was really bad last year, but he also was the number two, number three for a rotation. If he's the number five, the pressure comes off your shoulders. And we even saw in 2022 it was that Jordan Lyles was serviceable for Baltimore. Not good, not great. But for a number five starter, you can absolutely take that, especially if he gives you, you know, 170, 180 innings. Not saying Jordan Lyles will be there all season long, but I think he'll be the guy from the get-go. So when I put out this tweet, there were some fans who were more on the negative side. I actually had two other fan bases, Twins and Tigers, kind of poke fun at uh, this new Royals rotation, thinking that it's upgraded and that it kind of looks the same. Well, I think it's pretty easy to say that if you watch the games last year, if you watch the, the starts from a handful of guys, you would know that stability has been brought into Kansas City. You know that consistency is very much a part of this rotation now. And then you've got the, the electricity. You've got the firepower in Cole Reagans. You've got the bounce back candidate in Brady Singer. And I think all of that collectively shows how much of an upgrade this really is. I mean, last year, I think what was so hard for this team, what was hard for Mac Quattrero as the manager, was that if you ran into a five or six game losing streak, we talk about the stopper all the time. We talk about the guy that you hand the ball to and say, go end this streak, right? You go take the ball on a Sunday getaway game, end this streak before we hit the road. The Royals didn't have that last year, not in one single guy. There were guys that had their stretches, right? We saw Brady Singer really have a good stretch after the second half, but I would be hard pressed to find anybody else all season long that was your stopper. Granky was never a stopper. Lyle certainly wasn't a stopper. Uh, Chris Bubich, early on, I mean, he made, what, four starts, five starts? I don't think that counts as being a stopper if you didn't even make it out of April or out of May. Like, it, there weren't many starts to go around. So at the end of the day, it really, really felt like this is what they wanted. Where if the Royals, and it's a 162-game season, you're going to go through lows. You're going to have those low points. And you need to be able to turn the ball over to somebody and not cross your fingers if you kind of, you know, get what I'm putting down here. Michael Walker last year for San Diego was not the stopper because Blake Snell was the eventual Cy Young winner. But they could count on him. They could rely on him. And Seth Lugo, same thing. You know, I love the Royals attacking, you know, two-fifths of a rotation of a team that no didn't make the postseason, but had a damn good rotation. Snell, Lugo, Waka. Those were three very consistent pieces in their rotation. Now the Royals bring that to Kansas City. And for those that say, well, you know, Michael Walk is not going to do what he did last year. He's old. He was a significant upgrade over what they had, and they didn't overpay. So if you're going to be the fan that says, well, that, that's not really that different of a rotation. Yes, it is. Okay, the, the number one last year, 
was 40-year-old Zach Greinke. Now, 40-year-old Zach Greinke was this team's number one. And, and the night and day difference I've been talking about, the number three on this staff is getting paid $15 million a year. One of the most expensive contracts in franchise history is the number three in your rotation. Your once prized possession, your once future ace, Brady Singer, is the four. Like that shows you right now how much better it's gotten. Now, Michael Walker and Seth Lugo are not ones. Okay, let, let's get that out of the way. They're not true number ones. And there's very few number ones in baseball. I don't just toss around that saying lightly. And I said way, way, way back two months ago when the Royals were approaching the end of the season, I wish I'd go and clip it. I don't have the energy to go back and find that episode. But if, if you've been listening every single day since then or whenever we put out the podcast episode, you would have heard me say, I think they're going to go out there and get their number one. Not a number one, their number one. Michael Walker is the Royals' number one. He is not most teams' number one, but that does not mean he's a bad piece. Now, I've also had people say, well, Cole Reagans is the number one, right? Now, I'm not going to dispute the fact he's the best pitcher on the staff. He's also got to show it more than just, you know, a third of the season. But I do expect Cole Reagans to continue his trend pretty well. But the way you make that pitcher better, take pressure off his plate, is get guys like Walker and Lugo. If the Royals didn't sign anybody, let's say they go out there and, and get Jack Flaherty. That's the only guy they go out and get. Well, Jack Flaherty wasn't that good last year, and that's also not going to give you the relief that Cole Reagans needs. That's not going to be the, the extra insurance. You've got two guys now that were effective and threw over 130 innings last year. Cole Reagans has about 130 innings in his career. He's never been a full-time starter. He's never been an opening day starter. That's why I think the Royals have taken this approach of Let's give him some help. Let's really solidify that top four. And then with Jordan Lyles at the five, I would say I like Daniel Lynch. When Chris Bewich is healthy, sure. I like the upside of Alec Marsh. I like Veneziano. I like Bolin. But if Jordan Lyles can just bounce back slightly, it's not a bad number five. If he can give you the 2022 numbers, you take that in a heartbeat as a number five. Now, the good thing is, if he struggles, think about the Hunter Dozier contract last year. Okay, let's say that Jordan Lyles bombs at the beginning of the year. Cut bait. Eat the money. Move on. Then you've got your number five there. It's, it's not that complicated, in my opinion, about how you handle Jordan Lyles. You're not desperate enough to just package Mozakato or Kudana with him and trade him away. You're not that desperate to get rid of him. Okay, if you just think he bounces back, then all right, let's move forward with it. If he's not going to bounce back, then they'll cut bait, just like they did with Dozier. So I'm not too concerned about it. All right, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, who is left to add to this team? I've been getting a lot of questions about this, and I want to state my claim about who I think is next to join the Royals or where they may be looking. We'll dive into that next on Locked on Royals. You are tuning to Locked on Royals on the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Before we go any further, Let's give a shout out to the title sponsor today in FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. 
So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Well, over the past week or so, I think we've been hinting at the idea that after all the moves the Royals have made, there are still some to be, I guess, penciled in. Uh, because what has been so impressive to me is that after every signing, right, J.J. Bacolo kind of has a little press conference or he's asked questions, right? He's he's available to the media. And every single time they've signed somebody, he continues to say, well, we're not quite done just yet. You know, when they brought in Will Smith, it was, we're not done yet. We still want to add a big name piece. They wanted to make a big move. They had those pieces. And I would have thought after Walker, or after Renfro, actually, you know, it, it's done. After that day, when they got Renfro and Walker in a span of two hours, I would have been quite fine if J.J. Bacola walked away and said, that's going to be it. But what I've been so impressed with is he keeps bringing up depth, right? You want to add depth. He said, if we were right up to spring training, if we were a couple weeks out from going to surprise, then we'd probably be done. But there's still months to go before that. And you can add some, not significant pieces, but helpful pieces. Because as much as we would like to project this team and say, oh, yeah, this is the bullpen I like. This is the rotation I like. This is the lineup I like. Guys get hurt. Guys get hurt. Guys struggle. And you need depth. It's why they got Garrett Hampson. It's why they're not done adding to the bullpen. It's why they're out there still looking for a left-handed infielder that can play multiple spots. Now, let me start there because this is interesting to me. So yesterday, I think it was, I put out a tweet that the Royals have kind of narrowed down. I was more so using context clues and clearing some space as to who the Royals may be talking about, right? So the Royals said, or at least J.J. Bacolo said, they want a left-handed bat. Okay, so I I go through left-handed bat. I go through the available free agents, you know, unrestricted free agents, no player options, stuff like that. So it doesn't get too complicated, too hairy. So I look at left-handed bat. That's an infielder. All right, so I'm going left-handed infield. That can be a little bit obscure. I know they're not looking for depth at first base. I know they're not looking at depth at third base. Okay, then it plays multiple positions. That really narrows it down for me. So a left-handed infielder that plays multiple positions, that's what else they want to add. And I think that would make a lot of sense. So I'm going through the list. I see Adam Frazier pop up. Adam Frazier was with Baltimore last year. He was once an all-star in Pittsburgh a couple of years back. And I just thought, no, I don't think Adam Frazier, one, would come to Kansas City to be a bench bat. And two, I didn't really feel like it was a great fit. But he was a left-handed bat, plays multiple positions. The only other guy that I looked at and said, that makes a lot of sense, is Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp was in Oakland last year, you know, the the dismal season they enjoyed. And Tony Kemp was an Astro. He'd been an A for a long time, a dirtbag in a good way. He hustles, steals bags. He plays second base, left field, center field, right field. Uh, He actually plays very well against the Royals. He has the, against the Royals, he has the highest OBP against any team out there. So against the Royals, I think his OBP is north of 400 or something. Uh, That's the highest total against any other opponent he's faced in his career. So the Royals know he's done damage against him, right? So to me, I look at Tony Kemp and go, there's a left-hander, an infielder, and one that plays multiple positions. And here's where it gets interesting. Here's a little scoop for you. Tony Kemp himself liked my tweet. So I don't know if that insinuates that he has been talking with the Royals, if he just liked me putting out some good numbers about him, like, hey, you know, look at this. I, I am somebody that is viable because I do believe 
Tony Kemp was always meant to be a Royal. I, I have thought that for three to four years that Tony Kemp would somehow end up in a Royals uniform. And based on what JJ's saying, there's not many left-handed infielders that play multiple positions. And I'd imagine they want one that has speed, one that walks a lot. Tony Kemp does. He had a walk rate over 10%. Two doesn't strike out. He never strikes out. That's one of the best qualities about him. He doesn't hit that well. He wasn't that great in day games last year, like some really catastrophic numbers. But there's value there. There's a guy that's been there before. He's been an everyday player. And actually, his projections for 2024 aren't bad at all. If he's available for the right price, I think that is the guy you are looking for in Tony Kemp. So there's one piece I'll throw out there. The next one, I think it's a left-handed bullpen arm. I've been told, you know, that, you know, Ryan Stanek, not from any source or any of that. I've, I've been told from just followers on Twitter, on, on YouTube and stuff, that Ryan Stanek is the name that pops up a lot. I've, you know, said the name Ryan Stanek so many times. But after they got Chris Stratton, I just thought, man, they probably want one more left-handed bullpen piece there. Maybe that's Jake Brenz. Maybe that's Josh Taylor. Maybe they're still looking in free agency. You know, they did go after a couple of guys in minor league deals, Dan Altavia, Tyler Duffy, Sam Long. There are pieces that are going to fight there in spring training, but they can still be looking through free agency. I love Matt Moore, what he did for the Angels last year. I think he'd be a very nice left-handed piece, or uh, piece, excuse me. I think he'd be a guy that you could pencil into the sixth, seventh inning role a little bit, but he's also very flexible and he's going to be cheap as well. I think he'd be less than $5 million. So if JJ Piccolo is still looking at the free agent market, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to completely rule out a Ryan Stanek, a Phil Maton, because I think those would be two very good pieces of this bullpen. But it comes down to, do you just value that second left-hander in the bullpen? We know that Lugies, you know, guys that would only face lefties, they, they don't have much value anymore because you have to face a three-batter minimum. So you kind of rule that out. But I still think matchup-wise, you would like to have another left-handed arm. And the fact they didn't move on from Jake Brents or Josh Taylor makes me think hey, they might have them as the front runner right now. But that does not mean they will avoid adding depth. I think both with the bullpen, I think with the infield depth, they want to really factor that in. They're going to still be aggressive in that aspect. And I think Tony Kemp, you know, I think Matt Moore, those are still possibilities out there for the Kansas City Royals. And I know we'll have a mailbag Friday tomorrow. So if I'm asked that question again, I'll probably just revisit this same sort of conversation. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. All right, before we move on to our final segment, let's give a shout out to Lockdown Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. When we return little bit of an update on the Bobby Witt Jr. contract extension talks. Joel Goldberg went on MLB Network, and he said some things that made me feel very positive about the future outlook. That's next on Lockdown Royals. You are tuned into Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Give me a follow on Twitter, at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. We're also very easy to find on wherever you listen to your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and we're also on YouTube. Just be the next listener to subscribe over there. Well, we had a little bit of an update, not much, but a little bit of an update on the Bobby Wood Jr. 
contract extension talks. And that was with Joel Goldberg going on MLB Network, you know, earlier today, I believe it was. I think it was yesterday morning. And I thought good things were said. That There were some fans out there that were commenting to me that, you know, it wasn't as positive as they would have liked it to be. But after all these moves have been made, the contract extension talks had kind of gone in the back of my mind. I hadn't really thought about it uh, since the beginning of the offseason. But now it's starting to come back into the picture. Because the danger you're flirting with, and it's kind of a, a win-lose situation if you do not get something done. If you do not get a contract extension done this offseason, Bobby Wood Jr. goes and tears it up and he gets MVP votes. Not Maybe he doesn't win it, but let's say he gets MVP votes. The leverage he has going into next offseason for a contract is one maybe you can't match, which is why I was always on board with gambling on the player he was before this outbreak last season. If you would have had that Corbin Carroll type of deal, and we've seen what Corbin Carroll has become in Arizona, if you would have given him that eight-year deal, you know, worth $14, 15000000 a year, I don't think you would have batted an eye after what we saw last year. You'd go, you got him locked down to a long contract. But also, I don't think that, you know, Bobby Wood Jr. and his dad and you know people that support him would have wanted him to sign a deal like that because it is all about betting on yourself. Now, Joel Goldberg, back to that segment, he went on LB Network, and I thought the best thing he said was, he fully expects something to happen eventually, at some point. Nothing's imminent, so let's clarify that. It's not like Joel said, oh, be ready, you know, because a, a deal is coming. No, he just says he fully expects after talking with you know, people on both sides. Bobby Witt Jr. really wants to be here. The Royals really want him here. But there were people going, you know, what about a, a 10 to 14-year deal? Well, Joel Goldberg did say that it seems unlikely that he would sign a deal that's, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 million dollars. And what I want everybody to understand is that that's also incredibly rare. We saw Fernando Tatis Jr. sign a 14-year deal with San Diego. I think it was either right before or right after the the he broke onto the scene. You know, like basically locking up his entire career to stay in San Diego. But it is hard to convince a young player who just had the year like Bobby Wood Jr. had and say, here's a 13-year deal. Commit to us for the rest of your career. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do because I'm sure, I don't know the guy personally, but I'm sure Bobby Wood Jr. wants to hit free agency at one point in his career. One time, he's going to want to test the market. Now, here's where that can play into the Royals, and here's how it can factor in. You can give, based off how young he is, you can give him an eight-year deal and feel satisfied. You really can. And I think that'll be an enticing contract for Bobby Wood Jr. If you get a, let's say, an eight-year deal worth, you know, somewhere between 25 and 30 million a year. Because that may be what it takes. That may be his asking price. But if it's eight years, you know, he's 23 years old. So he'll hit free agency at 31. That still, by definition, can be considered your prime. If you give him the 13, 14, 15-year deal and you hit free agency at 34, 35, you're not getting the payday that you expect. So financially, it would be smart 
for Bobby Wood Jr. to capitalize on a great contract now, which Kansas City can give him, an eight-year deal with maybe an opt-out in year eight or an opt-out in year seven. You know, maybe the Royals could also be a team that competes for him in free agency. Not saying it's possible, but who knows? Maybe they moved downtown by that point. Maybe the revenue is flowing in. Maybe there's a TV deal that generates a lot of money. Who knows at that point? But for those that are saying, oh, well, it's going to be some four-year deal, let me just get out in front of that. There is no way in hell the Royals are going to offer him a four-year deal. They're not going to buy out the rest of his arbitration years and the years that he's going to be under a rookie deal and then have him hit free agency in 2020. It's just, they're not doing that, all right? They're not going to do that. If they're going to sign him to a deal, I'd expect seven and up. That would be my guess, which is still a large chunk of his career. But financially and as a player, it would make sense for him to avoid the 14, 15 year deal, take the seven or eight, make a lot of money from now until 2032. And then you hit free agency then. And somebody else, if you are the star that you're all, we're all expecting him to be, you can make another big time contract. And that can still be from Kansas City, but there's going to be other teams in play. Like, I'm just looking at this more so from a player perspective. Of course, I want. Bobby Wood Jr. to retire a Royal, but here's what I want fans to understand. The Royals, if they could, and if Bobby Wood Jr. was accepting of it, they would give him that 14, 15-year deal. And if he was like, I want to be here for the rest of my career and, and never test free agency, then all a perfect world, sunshine and rainbows. And just because Bobby Wood Jr. may not want that doesn't mean he doesn't like Kansas City. Like that's what also needs to be identified here too. And if he doesn't sign that double-digit year deal, Nobody needs to turn on him and go, oh, well, he doesn't want to be here. He wants to be a Yankee or a Dodger. It's not the case. This is smart financially. This is smart as a player. I think every player in their lifetime wants to hit free agency. They want to test the market. They want to see who is willing to offer them that, you know, he's already going to have life-changing money. But even more so, right? Shohei Otani, you would have thought he would have never played for the Dodgers maybe three years ago. You know, Mike Trout, did hit free agency, but the Angels got him that deal. They gave him that extension. That can happen too. Uh, those are all possibilities. But for what I'm expecting now is about a seven to eight year deal because that keeps him in Kansas City for a long, long time. I mean, seven, eight years is a long time, folks. That seven, eight years ago was when the Royals were winning the World Series. That's how long ago that was. So seven, eight years, don't look at that as some, you know, cheap deal. It would not be a cheap deal, number one. It's going to shatter the franchise record for the most expensive deal in history. But to me, that's a, a very good deal for both sides, I think. I really do think so. Because seven to eight years, you're not looking at this and going, okay, well, he's never going to play in the postseason. I mean, some people are going to be pessimistic like that. But you look at it and say, oh, we'll hit free agency late in his career. That's, that's not the case. It could be the best of both worlds here. The Royals get 10 total years of Bobby Witt Jr. And let's say they don't re-sign him. Well, let's say, okay, when he hits free agency at 31 years old, okay, who knows what, what the Royals look like 10 years from now. Maybe they've got a really good young shortstop they're willing to move with. Now, you never know, but seven to eight years feels like that can still be a really good deal for both the Royals and Bobby Witt Jr. Now, I'm not saying 
punt on the 12 to 15 year deal. But Joe Goldberg even said on LB Network, he just doesn't see it being that likely. But the good thing is, he says, I fully expect something to happen at some point because the Royals know how important he is and Bobby Wood Jr. knows how important he is to this franchise. I do expect something to get done. I don't know what the, the money between 25 and 30 would actually look like. Would like to see some more numbers being thrown out. But I'm kind of getting in my mind seven to eight years makes a lot of sense for both sides. Still keep trying to make him a royal for life, but maybe this is the way that you can get him to sign that extension. And seven to eight years is no joke either. That is a very, very good contract for who is sure to be a superstar in Major League Baseball. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at J underscore 15. Before we go, one last shout out to Locked On Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Tomorrow, we're going to have our Mailbag Friday segment. And we've already got more than 15 questions to get into. So that may be our entire show. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.